before you this morning and we thank you and we praise you for who you are. You are a good, good father. You are a God who loves us. You are a God who's reached out to us. You are a God who's revealed yourself to us. And God, we have the privilege to know you. We have the privilege to be in intimate relationship with you. And so, God, we just pray that as we proclaim you this morning, that, Lord, we would have a clear view of you, that we would lift you high, as we've already done in our worship, that, God, this would continue and that you would be glorified and we would be encouraged and we would be blessed as we go from here this morning. Pray these things in your name. Amen. You as a church have, um, have supported us, um, I think, from the early 90s when we went to Papua New Guinea initially as, as uh, eventually as church planters amongst the Mangan people of Papua New Guinea. And I don't remember that, that first Sunday when my wife come traipsing down here with some crazy object lesson thing that she did over here and on that one Sunday. But uh, you have journeyed with us through these years. And, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and praying for us and standing behind us and, and supporting us in all that God is doing. And, and so what I'm going to share this morning in these stories is really, as I said, it's not my story. Ultimately, it's God's story. It's what he's doing. But guess what? You guys have been a part of that story. And when you get around the throne of God at some point in time, there's going to be men and, men and women, believers in Christ, coming up to you and saying thank you for extending and, and the reach of the gospel to them. So anticipate that. Please anticipate that. Don't put me on some sort of pedestal. Oh, you're so wonderful. No, this is a team effort. We're the body of Christ, and we work together in seeking to glorify him in everything. And so I want you to note that as we're going on. This is your story, and I want you to celebrate it. We came home in 2015. I think I'd shared that story when I was here with you, helping our youngest daughter transition to this foreign country of Canada. And uh, in that year of 2015, the Mangan church was on their own for the first time. At that point in time, they were in the process of planning a second church. And so there was two churches at that point in time. All Mangan men were Bible teachers. They were leading it. They were running with it. And there were no missionaries there amongst the Mangan in 2015, the first time since them coming to faith in 2009. And the bicycle wobbled. They fell off the bike, as it were. They picked themselves up. Biblical restoration took place. They started another outreach where there's no missionaries there. It was crazy to see what God was doing. And so as we were home in 2015, it was kind of a transition time. We didn't kind of know what was all God was going to be doing, but I, I was still working on some things for the Mangan Church. You see, we had been a part of the, of the initial evangelism and the initial, initial church planting and discipleship amongst the Mangan believers. And as we left and brought our two kids home in 2011, earlier, um, the Mangan church began to disciple their first Bible teachers. And they began to disciple these men, these godly men, to begin teaching God's word. And the missionaries began retreating and teaching the teachers as they began teaching their own. And God began to move very powerfully. But the, but the, but the new teachers had a struggle. They couldn't teach my original Bible lessons. And they were struggling to try, try to teach the original chronological lessons that we had laid out that they had come to faith in Christ in. And incidentally, as they'd come to faith in Christ earlier, we had done a 130-question survey to find out how well they'd understood the truths. And, and while the key believers, they were solid on who God was in his nature and his character, God's word and creation and sin. And as Danny was sharing with the kids, those essentials to the gospel, they were solid. There were some holes, but they were by and large solid. But then when we graphed it, we came to realize that we had only affected, the gospel had only affected the intellectually sharp segment of the village, not the elderly, not the nursing mothers, not the younger. And we, we didn't know, okay, what's wrong here? It's not communicating across all the ages. And as we began to disciple the first, as our partner began to disciple the first Bible teachers, they came to realize what the problem was. 
Our lessons were too content heavy. There was just too many loose threads they had to hold on to all the way through the story until you got to the end of the story, the death, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to kind of hold it all together. It was just too much. And so you know what our partner did at the time with these first Bible teachers? They took all of that methodology and they simplified it down. They simplified it down. And you know what they did? They sharpened it in some very, very profound ways. And then God began to move across the ages. And now people, uh, guys, complete unbelievers, coming to the beginnings of repentance and faith with Abel, lesson 14, very early on in the lessons. So as we came home in 2015, I was working on those revisions. They'd asked me, go back to the beginning, Dave, and, and transfer everything that you'd done previously into this new format. And that's what I was working on. And I thought we'd be going back to New Guinea and through, 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 through 2015. That's what I told you when I was here. Well, in about February or March, I got a telephone call out of the blue from this native Aboriginal evangelist elder who called me. Name's Norm McCollum. And a mutual pastor friend had, had just said, you need to talk to Dave. And so Norm and I met at a Tim Hortons in Saskatoon, and we sat down and we immediately connected because very similar relational cultures, very similar cultures in the spirit realm and, and the Mangan very much of the spirit realm, and we immediately connected. And in fact, we got into trouble because we were too vocal about our, about our faith in Christ by some of the other patrons in the restaurant. But you know what? We immediately connected. I didn't think anything more of it. And incidentally, if you want to hear the crazy story of how we connected, it's even a further story of an ATM machine, how God used that. But anyway, unbeknownst to me, a month later, Norm calls me again. He lived two hours, two hours north of me, and he called me again. I'm coming through. Can we have lunch? We met at this little Mennonite diner in Osler, and in the middle of the conversation, he says, Dave, I want to do a Canada-wide First Nation Workers Conference, and I want you to speak at it. And I got sick. My heart just sank. I said, I know you're a believer. I don't know what stripe you are. I don't know what this is all about. I do not want to be involved. But because he's an elder and a very shame on our culture, I need to say no without really saying no. He needs to save face in all of this. And so, again, so I asked him, so Norm, when do you hope to have this conference? And he said, well, October 2016. Man, so I kind of went, Phew. I said, sorry, Norm, I can't help you. I'm going to be back in New Guinea by then. A couple weeks later, he emailed me and said, Dave, we changed the date so you could speak at it. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my goodness. But in that second conversation, Norm began to open up. And this has been really a crazy, this is a, this is a God story. Let me just share this. There's nothing special about me. This is where it's really crazy. Norm began to, Norm began to open up and sharing with me that his churches are not going on to maturity. But we've got to just keep preaching Jesus and just keep preaching Jesus. And that's all we can expect. Just grit your teeth and keep going through. And I began to share the story from the Mangan people, how they came to a right understanding who God was in his nature and his character. They were helplessly lost, and only repentance and faith in the finished work of Christ, a clear understanding of the finished work of Christ, transformed by the gospel. But then going on to maturity, and I began to share our stories of what God was doing. And the more times that we got together, the more stories are shared. And the more stories are shared, the more intrigued he got. And he began calling monthly. Then he began calling every second week. Then he began calling weekly. Then he's been calling daily as this relationship through 2015 was going on. And I began to wonder, God, what are you doing here? What are you asking of us here? See, we have this Mangan revision that I'm working on, very, very profound, very dynamic, very sharpened uh, church planning resource. And I began to wonder, God, are you asking us to take that resource that the, that the Mangan Aboriginal believers developed in New Guinea to bring it to Canada? Well, that just scared the bejeebies out of me. And at First Nations, and you all know the brokenness that's in the First Nations context. 
And it's a Pandora's box, and, and I don't, really don't want much to do with it because I, I'm concerned and I'm scared what that's going to entail. And so the only way that I know to, to really ascertain what God's will was, I reached out to our sending church pastor, and I said to our pastor, I said, what do I do? This guy's calling. Like, he's calling, and there's a need, and, and there's interest there. What do I do? I'm supposed to go back to New Guinea. And I reached out to our mission director. He said, what do I do? This door is opening. What do I do with this? And I expected every one of them to say, Dave, don't touch it. You're supposed to go back to New Guinea. But you know what they said? They said, Dave, you need to go through that door. God's in this. I said, but I don't know where this is going. They said, go through the door. God's got this. Go through the door. And at this point in time, I just need to share and interject another piece of all these pieces that's happening in this point in time. In 2015, our mission, New Tribes Mission, was having conversations with Northern Canada Evangelical Mission about amalgamating because the mission, Northern Canada Evangelical Mission, was also realizing that they've given 50, 70 years of their lives planting churches, and their churches as well were not going on to maturity. And they're coming and say, would you help us? Because your churches are going on to maturity in many aboriginal contexts around the world. Would you come and would you partner with us? We have the relationships. You have the church planning experience. Can we come together? And that was happening. And our mission director was saying, hey, Dave, would you stay and help us with that because of our experience in New Guinea? As well in 2015, as the Mangan church was on their own, as 2015 was coming towards the end, our par- one of our colleagues got back to the work And his purpose was to disciple the emerging leaders that they could go on and that they could uh, um, run the church and and teach through 1 Timothy and Titus, elders and, 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 and deacons and that sort of thing. And as he got back to the church in New Guinea, the believers began to come to our partner and they had a question they wanted to ask him. This was the question. They said, this is the question they asked. They said, we understand that we are the bride of Christ. They said that we, are, we know that we're right before God. We have our ticket for heaven. But they said we're not a bride prepared. We're not living Christ out in all of life like we should. Now, we've shared the stories of the incredible transfer, transformation that the gospel had in the Mangan people. But they're realizing that in their relationships with their husbands and wife, they're not reflecting Christ like they should. And they say when Christ comes back, we're going to be shamed. We're going to be embarrassed. And to, this is what they asked our colleague. They said, what has Christ provided to prepare us as his bride. They didn't ask, what must we do? Do you see see what's taking place here? Their understanding that foundationally Christ was their provider to bring them into salvation, and he was their provider to take them on up into maturity to reflect him in all of life. And even as our colleague got back there and began teaching through 1 Timothy and Titus, do you know what took place in the church? Now, this isn't a shame-honor context. This isn't a context when we first moved in amongst the Mangan. If I had an issue with you, I couldn't go to you face-to-face. I would have to go through a third party. Hey, can you go tell so-and-so about this and so? Because everybody has to save face. And so as our, as our partner and the, and the teachers taught through 1 Timothy and Titus, and the church understood the qualifications of deacons and elders, do you know what the Bible teachers did? They called a Saturday night meeting. Non-benowns to the missionary, they called a Saturday night meeting. And so everybody gathered in the church, and on the front of the church, it's just kind of a loose, uh, corrugated roof iron building and, and really dirt floor and, and no sides really to it. And there's a blackboard on the one side. And do you know what they did? They listed out the qualifications of deacons on the, on the blackboard. And then down the side of it, they took, they took names from the audience who potentially would meet the qualifications, and they wrote their names down on the blackboard beside them. And then publicly, they began to evaluate each name in turn based on the qualifications of a deacon. 
And then they wiped the blackboard off and they wrote out the qualifications of a biblical elder. And again, they took names and they wrote the names out on the blackboard and began to publicly evaluate whether they met the qualifications that God had set out. And then just to make sure the church understood it, they repeated the whole process Sunday morning. That is the level of maturity of what God is doing amongst the Mangan people. What would that look like, Danny? Could we do that? Do you need some Sunday school teachers? Could we do that here, here at Killarney? How would that fly here in Canada? Would that, be, would that go over real, help, real well here? But see, this is the impact of the Word of God. And so as 2015 came along, we began to realize that our role on the Mangan team was no longer needed. And this new door that Norm is opening up is also, coincidentally, just so happened, that it's opening up in front of us. And so at the end of 2015, about October, I met with Norm, a 75-year-old elder, more on the charismatic, full gospel side of, of the camp than where I am. And I met with Norm and said, Norm, what do you think? And I had some loosely translated lessons from the Mangan. Again, it's from the Aboriginal to the Aboriginal. And I said, Norm, here's, what do you think this could look like? And I almost tried to sell him against it. I was not trying to twist his arm. And I left it with him. And I think I came here at that point in time to visit you and to visit many other churches in, in Ontario as well. And when I got back four weeks later, I met with Norm and said, Norm, what do you think? And Norm says, Dave, we've got to do this because what we're doing isn't working. I said, okay, what do you want to do? How do you want to start? You see, there's already a difference taking place. He's initiating. I'm following his lead. He's the elder leading forward. He's the Barnabas, the networker, who's got all of the, all of the connections across northern Saskatchewan. He's a Woodland Cree elder. And so we began in North Battleford in early 2016, meeting every Saturday, drive an hour and a half for myself. Every Saturday I would drive up, and we would teach uh, three or four hours a day. And people began driving down from three hours, three hours north, because they were began to be impacted by the message from the very beginning. And it was interesting, and I don't know if you remember that, but we used this timeline. I remember I have that timeline? We used this timeline at the very beginning. We got five stick figures over here showing our era. And then way at the other end is, is a black component, a black piece, where it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Only they were there in the beginning. And as I began on teaching this, and um, Norm stopped me one, uh, one Saturday as we were beginning teaching through creation. And he says, Dave, can I share something? And I said, absolutely. And Norm's a character. He's just a, if you ever met him, he's just, a, he's just a character, just incredibly funny in so many ways. But he said, Dave, this last week, he said, I got angry. He said, I don't usually get angry, but he said, I got angry because this is the first time in 35 years anybody's ever taken me to the beginning. He said, I had no idea that God is eternal without beginning or end. Yeah, the missionaries taught me that Jesus loves me, and that's great, and that's wonderful. But he says, I was ripped off. I had shortchanged. And it wasn't long afterwards, we were teaching in another, another context, another little native fellowship. And there was an 80-year-old elder pointing at the beginning of the timeline. She says, Dave, are you telling me that God is eternal? And says, he's from everlasting to everlasting. Tears began to run down her face. She says, I have never heard that before. Eld young people would ask us as elders in the village, where did God come from? She said, we'd never had an answer. And so in 2016, we began to try to figure out how do we come alongside a really broken and a really fragmented church. And as I kind of got into it, began to realize that everywhere we went, there was minefield after minefield after minefield because, of, because there was mission culture. There was missionaries, well-meaning brothers and sisters in Christ who had been teaching the natives that you've got to become white. You've got to cut off your pigtails to become a Christian. 
And then there's the, there, there's the evangelical camp who are solid Bible teaching, preaching, and the native church. And then there's the charismatic, and they're at odds with each other and won't, won't fellowship with the other. This side says they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. This, piece, this side over here says, hey, these are split all of our churches. And guess what was happening as we began to teach? We were getting these people coming and these people coming, and they're sitting at the same table at odds with each other. And God began to move. And we began to try to figure out how do we bring, how do we come alongside so as to bless the church, not as overlord to an, under, to an underling, to a student, but as brother to brother, a different posture, taking the aboriginal to bring to the aboriginal. And we began to wrestle with it, and we made mistakes, and we tripped, and we, and we stumbled, and we tried this, and we tried that. But as, as, the, as May came into, as it was, came into the middle of 2016, God brought another key, in, another key individual into our world by the name of Conrad Fleck. He's the host of Tribal Trails, and uh, probably the most well-known evangelical native believer in all of Canada. And he got wind of this, and he latched on to us. And he began calling. And then he offered to help edit all of the material and all of the lessons. And so he began coming in. And then we tried some other weekend teaching events. And you probably heard some of those events. And trying to figure out. And we're letting them take the material. And some are beginning to teach in, in these different Aboriginal contexts. But most of them ran out of steam because they didn't understand what they were doing. And, and so we're regrouping, trying to figure out, how do we do this? And then that summer of 2016, Norm began feeling like we need to go to northern Saskatchewan, to, north, to the western side of northern Saskatchewan where he's from, Buffalo Narrows. And he began visiting all of these fragmented little pockets of believers who were at all odds with each other. They're following their prophet. They're following their apostle. They're following their pastor, their teacher. And they're all different odds with each other. And he began visiting with them. And in November, November 18th, he got these believers together. As they came in the door to the Friendship Center in Buffalo Narrows, they were guarded. They were scared. They were apprehensive. But one of our colleagues had listed out in front, up front, on the front of everything, this is what we believe, the core of the gospel, the, the, who God is and his nature and his character. God's word is absolute. Christ is our sufficient, a sufficient savior for everybody. Listed those out. And as they came in and saw that, we're just, that this is not unity for the sake of unity, but unity around the core of the gospel, they settled in. And in that day, they went around the room. There's probably 20 or 30 of us around the room, began going around and sharing their stories of where they're from and what God was doing. And as the day, as the day, as, as early on in the morning, a, de- a demonic shaman came in, and he tried to take over the he tried to take over the whole event, and God protected us, and he actually put a curse on us as he left. But whatever, and so God began to move. And at the end of the day, at about four o'clock, they asked me, Dave, would you share about this teaching series from the Mangan people, which we're calling Established? Would you teach us? Would you show us what that is? And so, in about a half hour, I just did the very first lesson. I just unpacked them for unpacked it for them. And the immediate, the first question, what the first question was, how much does this cost? And you said, this isn't about paying me anything. We're supportive. We're here to bless the church. That just shocked them. Because you know what? Everybody that goes up to the north, it's all about money. It's all about charging, typically. A pastor will come into a service in the north, and he'll call a special offering in the middle of the service. And if he doesn't get enough money in that offering, he walks out on them. Everything costs money. We say, you don't have to pay us anything. We're just here to bless you. And they said, well, can you start? And they said, well, this is a long, this is a long, this is a long series. I mean, you think about this, pray about it. Don't just respond in emotion. And they said, no, when can you start? And I said, and our, my colleague piped up and he said, well, and he again tried to give them an out and, and save face. And I go, no, when can you start? And they immediately got together and said, would you start teaching in, in January 13th? 
And so we went up to Buffalo Narrows on that first Saturday on January 13th of 2017. 2017? 18, I guess it is. Yeah, 18. 2018. And uh, we went up there to meet with them on the Saturday, on the Saturday morning. Minus 37 it was. Five-hour drive north. A thousand kilometers round trip. And we went up there in a, little, in a little church the size of your foyer. There was 30 people packed into that room. And in front of us, we had everybody from Reformed, Calvinist, all the way to the extreme charismatic sitting in front of us. And you can imagine what began on that Saturday morning as we start God's Word and we began from the very beginning and teaching them from the very beginning. Starting at 10 o'clock, broke for lunch, but then finished at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They could not get enough. The next time, and so then we gave them a responsibility. You watch a couple of the videos while we're gone in the two weeks, and we come back, we're going to review what you watch, we're going to teach two more. And then, and then the next time we went back, there was 40 people. And it began to grow and began, and, and they began firing questions from this, from this side and this side and this side and asking us questions and questions and the camaraderie. And we finished, we finished that first level, 40 lessons, the first level. We finished that in 1st in, uh, of June with uh, 30 people roughly all the way through, all, all the 40 lessons all the way through. Four of them came to a, tra- a teacher training event. They're now going to this next fall. They're going to be teaching, and we're helping them. Remember, Meng and people, we taught until such time as there was teachers. Then we're teaching the teachers, and we're giving it over. Already in Buffalo Narrows, we're teaching the teachers to them teach and go, and go forward. And now God has opened up two more locations for us to also teach come this fall. And God's brought colleagues along to help us. See, this is growing and mushrooming, words getting out, and this is, this is growing on the Aboriginal side. Incidentally, remember Conrad Flett, the host of Tribal Trails, as he's been helping me edit these lessons? With tears running down his face, he says, Dave, this has transformed my life. And so he's the host of Tribal Trails. He's planning to promote it on Tribal Trails. He's, he's also the president of Indian Life Magazine out of Winnipeg. He's planning to promote it in, in the Indian Life Magazine. We are sitting on a powder keg of opportunity of what God's doing. How in the world are we going to ever manage it? That's the aboriginal. God's also opening up doors on the Canadian church. As our church, our sending church, a church of 500 people got wind that we were going to be staying home helping with the aboriginal, heard of this revision. They said, hey, would you bring that into our church? Would you bring it in and help us? Because we got holes in our foundation. We're not doing evangelism like we should be. We're not doing discipleship. We're 80% full. We need to do a church plan. We, We don't know how to do this. Dave, would you help us? And so we began in, in, in uh, September 2016, we began teaching on Wednesday nights in our sending church. And 100 people came every Wednesday night all through the winter digging into God's word. Believers coming to me, solid believers coming to me. And they say, hey, Dave, finally my devotions are making sense. Another believer came to me and said, growing up in the church, I thought there was a God of the Old Testament and a God of the New Testament. There's a God of wrath and a God of love. And, and I, growing up, I felt like God had his foot on my neck and it's do or else. But now I see God for who he is in grace and love and relationship from Genesis, to Re- uh, Genesis all the way through. Believers transformed. Halfway through 16, the pastor said, hey, we start training some teachers here. Get some teachers going. And so we began in early 2017 t- training 12 uh, uh, teachers from our church. Not uh, elite in the church, just average believers who know the truth of God's word. We began teaching. And through that, then last September, they began teaching on their own and, and that multiplication process. And then we trained those first 12. 12 months later, they're t- they trained 20 more. And so God is mushrooming. That's on the Canadian side. 
Then there's another, it just so happened as we were teaching at our church in Canada, there was a, there was a, a furloughing missionary from Mexico sitting and, and um, helping their children transition, tend to the teaching. Guess what he's doing now? He's translating these lessons to Spanish to take to Mexico. And now he's calling, asking questions. And then it just so, just so, uh, um, so happened that a King James only independent Baptist pastor got wind of this in London, Ontario. And then he began calling. He began asking, how do we get a hold of this? And so now God has opened up the door for a King James only edition. And it's being videoed and it's going that direction. They're promoting it everywhere they're going as well. And so here's a couple of testimonies I just want to read for you. Uh, from their perspective, not take it from mine. This first one is from the, a 75-year-old independent Baptist pastor. This is what he says as he's learned. He's been going through this. Just a note to let you know how I have seen established impact my life and those around me. I greatly value where the teaching begins in Genesis 1.1. From there, a very strong foundation is laid in Genesis through the rest of the Bible. The course is very strong in biblical exposition where Bible doctrines are very plainly and powerfully dealt with. The highlight of the course to me personally so far is the exalted position given to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now listen to what he says. He's a pastor of 35 years. Listen to what he says here. I have a greater understanding of the person of God and his gracious work among men than I've ever had in my life. And so this 75-year-old man, guess what he's doing? In his circle, he's promoting established. We just got word from one of his contacts in the States, a, a, a prison ministry, 20,000 inmates on, on, uh, on a correspondence course. They now want established to fit into their correspondence course. Next September, this, in September, I'm speaking at their national convention to promote this. God's opening up that door in front of us as well and at what God is doing. Here's another quote from somebody else on the charismatic side. Oh, this is so very exciting. I've seen and witnessed and heard of all the mixed-up competition and division between so many of these ministries, and especially the native leaders, because everyone wants to preach and control and have their own church, but there's so much competition. It's been so disheartening to watch over the past 10 years of knowing so many of them and watching much drama about it, even through Facebook. I truly believe that this Bible teaching will, be, will bring more unity among them, greater understanding, and more and, and we'll clear up much false teaching. Hallelujah. And so she just praises God for what, for what he is doing. And so this is where I need you to pray. As we came home from Canada, and as this began, I thought it would just be this, about this big. But you know what it's turning into? It's turning into this big. And I'm sitting, I feel like I'm sitting on the crest of this wave and wait and wondering when it's going to crash. But it's not crashing. It's just growing. And now in Stuartburn, there's 12 and 14 different pastors, Christian leaders coming to this training event. Nine days, 40 hours of teaching because they want to take this. You can't buy this off the internet. You can't buy this anywhere. Asking, would you teach us how to teach this? Because it's so different than what they're doing. They're seeing God and they're seeing a need to take the church and to deal with the, fa- the holes in their foundations. And everybody's calling. And I'm sitting in the middle of all this and saying, God, I'm, I'm not sufficient for this task. We have an idea board, or a pro- excuse me, a project board that's, that's four feet by four feet full of sticky notes 
of all the projects that are already ongoing. We have another four foot by four foot board starting to fill up with ideas, a more sticky notes. Hey, can we translate this to Dene? Can we translate this to Cree? Can this, uh, uh, Transworld Radio Canada wants to take it to go to, to Egypt and to India. Dave, can we have that as well? Another idea, a Bible college just came to us just recently. Uh, the new Bi Bethany Bible College just came to us. Hey, could you partner with us? We want, we want what you have. More ideas. I'm not sufficient for all of this. So would you pray that God would protect? Would you pray that God would give wisdom? Would you pray that God would give uh, sufficient finances to, to meet the need? We're going back to Buffalo Narrows again every week. Now our colleagues are going to be going to a second location, a thousand kilometers round trip every second week. We're going to be going north. Pray that God would provide. We need more space. I began teaching, or excuse me, I began developing these materials in a 10 by 10 room in my, in my house. God brought a colleague along with Ethnos Canada, and then our church gave us some room at the church, but we're already maxed out there. We're producing materials, and you'll see on the back table there is some of the materials that we've been producing. It's on the back table, and God's provided a, a large color copier and a laminator, and so we're producing materials and, and printing, and, and so it's just growing and growing and growing. But this is God's. This is what God is doing. And this is what you're supporting. Isn't God good? And so pray for us. If you're interested, on the back table is, is an updated prayer card. And um, you can avail yourself too. Um, you, can, you can look at that. There's a sign-up sheet if you would like to receive a kind of a weekly update. A, a kind of a play-by-play -play because it's happening so fast. And there's just so much interest. There's kind of a shorter uh, bi-weekly prayer update that goes out. You can sign up for that or a more quarterly one. You can sign up for that. And some of the resources are on the back table. There's also this little picture book that we've developed that actually helps to be able to explain the gospel from creation to Christ. It's a very simple story. One of the guys on our team, one of the volunteers, he was traveling with his grandchildren. He covered up the pictures. He said, okay, kids, tell me what this picture is about. And so they're using the resources. And now he would like to develop a, a children's edition. It's being videoed. It's, it, the videos they're teaching videos are online, free. And, and so if you want a memory stick, there's some memory sticks for that as well. But as we close here, I just want to share something from God's Word, just to, just to highlight here, just something that's happening. As we've been coming alongside the church, and incidentally, that's what our ministry is, is church engagement. As we go into a, a community where there is a viable church, and again, that's pretty loose. It's pretty messy as we go into it because what's viable? But we're going in, and there's somewhat of believers we're coming alongside, not to hit their wrong thing, wrong teaching head on, but let's come, let's come alongside to engage with God's Word, and He graciously begins to deal with the wrong thinking. And so that's our church engagement. There's also a, a church planning our arm to this in Ethnos Canada. If there is no viable church, then they're going to put a church planning team like we did in New Guinea. We're on the church engagement. There's the church planning side. But we're also engaging with the Canadian church and uh, immigrant church as well as the aboriginal church as we go forward. And as we're going along, there's this mindset that we're coming alongside the church. And the question that we need to ask is, okay, what is the church? And as we see the church across Canada and the Aboriginal, there is a lot of brokenness. As I shared the story of the, the, the preachers coming up, the popcorn preachers, as Norm calls them, coming up, and it's all about money. And some of these guys, believe it or not, they'll go through the parking lot ahead of time, and they'll find the vehicle that they want, and they'll write down the license plate. And then in the middle of service, they're going, oh, oh God, I'm just getting a message from God. God just told me I'm going to get this vehicle, license plate, da-da-da-da-da. No word of a lie, that happens in the north. They're being fleeced right, left, and center because they don't have the truth of God's word. The church, it's messy. The church is, is, in a is, in a, is in a rough state. But if we're honest, even, and can you put that slide up for me, please? 
if we're honest, the church, the church is in a difficult place in Canada in many regards as well. And as we look at this resource here, we're calling this teaching resource, this Mangan revision to the chronological material, we're calling it Establish, a disciple-making series. And to help illustrate it for the church, we're kind of taking the church on a journey the same way that you would build a house. Think about that. We don't build a house by, by something on the wall and then something on the foundation and something on the roof. No, we start with the foundations, don't we? We lay a solid foundation. And once the foundation's solid, then we put the floor joists on. Then we put the subfloor on. Then we begin building the structure for a solid house, don't we? Well, it just so happens that God has laid out his word in the same way. The foundations, the gospel foundations, starting in Genesis, Genesis to the ascension of Christ, who God is in his nature and his character, were helplessly lost in sin, and it's repentance and faith and finished work of Christ. Forty lessons through the, through the Old Testament establishing who Christ is. And then as you have new believers, you start laying the floor joists, the abundance and security in the finished work of Christ, creation to Christ, again, laying those foundations. And then you begin building the structure, Acts and Romans and Ephesians, laying that foundation. But as we've been coming alongside the church, the Aboriginal church and the Canadian church at this point in time, guess what we're finding? They don't have this Old Testament foundation under their faith. They have a New Testament faith. So often today, what do we tell people? If you want to know about Jesus Christ, where do we tell them to begin reading? Where do we tell them to begin reading? Anybody want to volunteer? John. So here's John. Two-thirds of, way, two-thirds of our way through the Bible is where we tell them to start reading. Do we realize that there's 55 references to the Old Testament in the first two chapters of John? That that John makes no sense if they don't understand the Old Testament. Think about that. Would we ever pop a movie into 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 the DV drive? Would we start halfway through the movie? Absolutely not. But that's what we're doing with God's Word. We're starting halfway through the story. And as a result, there is huge holes in so many believers' foundations because they don't know who God is in his nature's character from Genesis through the Old Testament. I appreciate what Danny was sharing with the kids here this morning, laying those foundations and understanding that. And as a result of that, what's taking place is, is that the gospel is being compromised in so many ways. Notice, and I'll just finish with these, a couple of thoughts here as we're, as we're finishing out here. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Notice what Paul says here. I just want to share this, and this is of utmost importance, of laying these foundations for believers to know what that is because so many believers' lives are shaking in the wind because they don't have a foundation. They go off to university, and they're challenged, and their whole house crumbles because they don't have anything to, to hold them solid. So notice what it says here in verses 3 and 4. For what I received I passed to you as of what? First importance. And as we're going alongside these different churches and all of these different beliefs and really crazy, some of them really crazy, especially on the charismatic side, just crazy beliefs, we're coming not to deal with those secondary things, but let's come alongside of first importance. Let's deal with the gospel. Let's bring a, lay that foundation and laying it clearly so that they understand that the first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Laying those foundations, leaving all those secondary things aside, and let's lay those foundations in a solid way to see them transform first an understanding of the gospel. Because so often, what I'm hearing in the north what their, what their gospel is often is, is their testimony is, I became a Christian. 
They're not saying any of the basics of who God is in his nature. They're not saying about sin. They're not talking about God, the Christ coming to die for their, on their behalf. The core of the gospel is not being mentioned. They're, I became a Christian. That's their testimony. I'm hearing other well-meaning uh, preachers stand up and say, hey, is your life a mess? Are you lonely? Jesus loved you. Come to Jesus. Is that the gospel? So now you come to Jesus because he loves you. Now you're giving the persona that if you come to Jesus, everything that brought you here is suddenly going to all be better. Is that what Christ promises? You know what's happening across the north? Many on the prosperity and even the evangelical side are just have that truncated gospel. They're just coming under those false pretenses and then they expect their life is going to get better all of a sudden because they've come to Jesus. And does it get better? No, it doesn't. And there's many of them walking away because Christ, Christ doesn't make sense. Christ doesn't, Christianity doesn't work. Take your Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 1 and notice this, this one verse here, two verses here. This is, I want to just share this with you as, as we close here. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And I want, to, I want to do this for you as a church to make sure, please, please, make sure that as a first importance, you do not compromise the gospel because it is, it is the righteousness of God. Notice what it says here in verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew and also then for the Gentile. Now, verse 17, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The NASB says, for in the gospel, the righteousness, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, think about that. We were sinners helplessly lost, and Christ has come to provide us with right standing with him. And so if we will respond with repentance and faith, Christ be became what we are, that we might become what he is. And there, that is the core of the gospel. But there's also something here that we need to understand. As we're declaring the gospel, the righteousness of God is being revealed. And so how we present the gospel, we are actually upholding and declaring the very character of God himself. And when we start to mess around with, is your life a mess? Are you on drugs? You need Jesus. What have we just done to the character of God? And so we need to be careful in how we present it to uphold God in his majesty and his glory. And that's the challenge that we have as we go forward. And we need you to, to pray with us and continue to stand with us, asking that God would continue to bless and he would continue to enable, he would protect, he would give strength, he would give incredible amounts of wisdom to be able to meet the need that God is giving to us. And so thank you for your prayers for us, and we sure appreciate that. Thank you. Danny's going to come and close.